Amen. So today I want to talk to you about three, three things that we have as foundation to our faith. And these are the main things. This is, is the foundation for your faith. And if you're not based, basing your faith on that, guess what? You will struggle and you will fall. And, and then you're going to be like, God is not with me. Right? God, what is God when I need the most? That's why we need to understand that we need to go to the word of God and we need to understand what faith is and the basis for faith. Amen? Amen? So the first foundation, the first thing that you need to, you know, stand on for your faith is the person of Jesus Christ. Hello? Because you can be basing your faith in somebody else or maybe yourself. But we are called to base our faith on Jesus Christ, his person, who he is. And in 1 Corinthians 3.11 in the Living Bible says like this, For no one can ever lay any other real foundation. See, he says real foundation. You can lay other foundations, false foundations, but the real one, then the one we have already, Jesus Christ. How many know that your faith already has that foundation? But the problem is, do you know Jesus? Come on. Do you know Jesus, who he is? Are you getting to know him? He is the center of our existence. And without him, we have no meaning. We have no purpose. Jesus is the meaning of our lives. He is the purpose for our lives. Amen? And I know me, you know, when it's very quiet, I think you're not understanding, so I preach longer. <laughs> so you can really say amen. Yes, pastor, preach. See, I spent most of my faith life, or a long part of my faith life in a church that 90% was black. You know, and you know how black people respond in their preaching? They stand on, they say, preach it, pastor. They walk to the pastor. You know. So do I have any black people here? No? Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> amen. So you can say amen. To <laughs> amen. You can respond in this church to the preaching. Amen. You see, everything begins and ends in Jesus. If we don't understand that, we're going to struggle. Jesus is the foundation of our faith. He is the one that we look for. He is the one that we respond to. Come on. He is the center of our foundation. I love when he says in Colossians verse 1, verse 15 through 18. I'm going to read from the message. Vinny always likes to play with me. So when I send him the copy of my message, he says, Are you sure you don't have any more versions? of the Bible that you want to use because I, I try to use all of them. No, just kidding. <laughs> I like to use the ones that will explain better what I want to say. Amen? So in Colossians 1, 15 through 18, on the message says like this, we look at his son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything Absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything God started in him and find its purpose in him. Whew. 
That's a good place to say amen. He was therefore before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. Everything is sustained by him, amen? And when it comes to the church, are you the church? Listen to what it says. He organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. Woo! He is the one who is in control of everything. So your faith needs to, to be based on him, needs to rest on him, because he's the one in control. Oh, come on. You know why you don't say amen? Because you don't believe it. Or, or you say you believe it, but when it comes to dealing with your circumstances and situations, you still think you have the control. We still try to look for something else, for someone else that we can place our faith on. And guess what? <laughs> it's going to fail. The only one who can hold everything, sustain everything together is Jesus Christ. So our faith needs to be based on it, not just saying it, but in every single moment of our lives, in a practical way, I'm trusting Jesus. But the thing is, can you trust someone you don't know? Anybody? You don't, right? You need to know. Sometimes you say, you say, oh, I don't trust him because I don't know him yet. Right? Like, I trust my husband. I bet it, right? <laughs> you know why I trust my husband? Because I've been living with him for 33 years. That's a long time. Amen? So I know his weakness. I know his strength. And Amen? I know where he's getting better. I know where he does not getting better yet. <laughs> and he knows me. So we learn to trust the person that we know. And the problem we have a hard time trusting Jesus is because we really don't know Jesus. Come on. We don't know Jesus. We say we do, but we don't know him. Do we truly understand what it says here? That he controls everything, that he sustains everything. Let me read in Philippians 3, verse 7 through 9. I'm going to read a lot of the Bible. Is that okay with you? Because I think our foundation needs to be in that. And the, also the, the message Bible says, do you have it there? Yeah. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash. I love Paul, don't you? We, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege, I love what he says here, the high privilege of knowing Christ. He says everything he knew about, everything he was good at, it was nothing compared to the privilege. It's a high privilege to know Jesus. And sometimes we treat it like something that has no value. And he's saying it's a high privilege of knowing Jesus Christ as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced 
by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. So he's saying that is such a privilege to know Jesus. Did you know that you could be today in a place, never heard of Jesus, and living your life? But here you are today because he chose you. Come on. He chose you to know him. And sometimes we don't see this as a privilege. I have a privilege to get to know Jesus more and more, to see who he is, what he has for me. Amen? So get to know Jesus as a person, as the one that did everything for you. And that's the second foundation, is the work, the finished work of Jesus. You see, we have a problem trusting the finished work of Jesus because we trust more in our works. Anybody? What I can do, I need to do good. I need to be good so I can be accepted, so I can be approved. And, you know, doing good is something that flows from the faith that you have in the one who already is good. Do you understand what I said? Doing good flows from that foundation and not the other way around. Oh, I'm going to do good so I can be firm in, 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 in Jesus. No, I will do good when I am firm in Jesus. Understand that? That's the promise that he has. And the finished work of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 29 to 31, says, so that no one may boast before him. And in the Living Bible says that no one anywhere can ever brag in the presence of God. Woo. It is because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus. God has united you with Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. What he's basically saying is that my faith not, do not stand on my own works. My faith stands on the work that Jesus already did. And he mentioned in that verse four things that Jesus already did. This is the work he has done for us. And the first one is salvation. How many of you have Jesus? How many of you are saved? And so you receive faith. Uh, uh, you receive salvation through faith in Jesus, through faith in the work that he already done. And you know, salvation means, it means that you are delivered and rescued from sin, from death, and from Satan. Wow, somebody heard me. <laughs> salvation means the moment you accept Jesus, you receive salvation. And salvation means that you were delivered and rescued from sin. <laughs> the Bible says that sin has no longer power over you. You can say no to sin through the power of Jesus in you, through faith. Amen? You have what you need inside of you because you were delivered from sin. You were rescued from death. How many know you're, not, you're never going to die? Oh, but pastor, I will die. No, you won't die. You just leave this earth and go to the other dimension of eternity. 
right? You're just going to be transferred. Beam me up, Lord. You know, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Because death is separation. Death means separation. And, and when I separate from this body, I will forever be with my God. I will forever be with Jesus. And that's the assurance we have in salvation. Woo! Amen? That's the assurance we have that we no longer will die. That means I'm no longer separated from God. I will live with him forever. In this side of eternity or, or the other side of eternity, I'm okay. Understand that? That's what Paul says. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. <laughs> he understood that. No matter what, the finished work of Jesus through salvation delivered me from death. Amen? And if I'm alive, I'm with God. And if I die, I'm with God. Either way, I'm okay. And that's why, you know, that, you know that hymn that we sing a lot? Here in this church we sing it too. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. You know how that hymn was written? The author went to England, and his family stayed behind, and then he sent for his family. And uh, through the, the, the journey, they went on the ship. The ship, um, how do you call it? Wreck. Uh, sank, sunk. And um, his daughters all passed away. Can you imagine that? You know, when, when we lost Karina, my niece, it was hard enough. One, it's not even my daughter. It's just my niece. Now imagine a mom or a, a dad to lose, I believe it was three of his girls at once. It was hard, right? So when he had to go and, and, and meet them, actually he sent them before him. And when he went, to, he, his sheep passed through the same place that his daughters died. And as he was looking at the waters, he started singing this song. He started writing this song. Can you imagine that? He said, when peace, I don't know if I'm going to remember in English. When peace, like a river, attended my soul. When sorrows, like billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well. It is well with my soul. Now, how can you have? peace, right, joy, <laughs> come on, through circumstances like that, because your faith is based on the works, on the finished works of Jesus and not yours, because you know you can trust him, that he is working everything for the good and his purpose. Come on. So you can trust, you can rest secure 
my life is in his hands. No matter what I face, no matter what I go through. And salvation also rescue from Satan. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know, the enemy can attack you, but he cannot touch you unless God allows it for any situation. But God is still there and you still have victory over him. It's, isn't that incredible to know that Satan is already defeated? Come on. And we know the end of the story. <laughs> Amen. So the next time t- Satan comes to attack you, sometimes he likes to, he likes to bring your past back. Right? What about how you're going to be doing this when you did this in the past? So you say, you know, I, I like when this pastor said this. When Satan tries to remind you of your past, just remind him of his future. <laughs> okay? Just reminds him of his future. That we already won. Come on. Jesus already overcame. Satan. Every demon. They all will bow down to the name of Jesus. Come on. We have victory. We have victory. Amen. And when, when that faith is strong in that, we are able to overcome things. You know, 10 years ago, and I believe it's even a little bit more of that, uh, I was going through a, a deep depression. I had to go to the doctor, and I went, they gave me even medicine that, I, that God told me not to take it. I'm not telling you not to take your medicines. I'm just saying that that moment God told me not to take that one specific one. He says, I'm going to deliver you from depression. And I remember that I was, I, all I could hear in my mind for three months, and I, I could hear that voice very strong, you're going to lose your ministry. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose everything. I, all I could hear was that. And it got to a point that I told God, I can't take this anymore. I think if you take me to be with you, you know, I, I, I wouldn't kill myself because I have so much fear of God. But I was asking him to take me a lot. And I told him that day, I say, God, I can't take this anymore. Just take me. It's going to be better for everybody else. The church is going to get a new pastor, uh, pass out a new wife. The kids are going to have a new mother. They are going to be better off without me. <laughs> Sometimes we feel like that, right? And the enemy comes to tell you this. And I could hear that voice constantly in my mind. And that day when I say that to God, I, was, I remember I was in my bed with the, with the hands like this because my head was hurting. And I was just telling him, I, you know, I, I, I can't take this. I can't take this. I can't take this. And I heard this small voice very small voice saying to me, but thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph in Christ Jesus. But thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph in Christ Jesus. But thanks be to God. And, and the voice kept, kept getting louder. And all of a sudden it was screaming. And I realized I was the one screaming the verse. And then this revelation of the word of God came and said, if I have someone that is leading me to triumph always, how can I lose? Come on. If Christ, if God is leading me to triumph in Christ Jesus always, how can I lose? I can never lose. 
So in that moment, I rebuked Satan, and that voice stopped. That voice completely stopped and never came back again. Because I realized that I have the victory in Christ's finished work. He already overcame. And the triumph that he's bringing to my life is the celebration of the victory that he already won. How many can say amen? Amen? And, you know, in that verse also talks about righteousness. You know, righteousness is a finished work of Jesus. You know what righteousness means? That he made us acceptable to God. Come on. I am acceptable to God. I am approved by God through Jesus' righteousness. He gave it to me. It was his work. I don't have to do anything to be approved by God. Oh, come on, let me say it again. I don't have to do anything to be approved by God. I don't have to do anything to gain him his love and, and his respect. Come on. He already loves me. He already approves of me. He already accepts me because of Jesus' finished work. I am the righteousness of God. Amen? So that means now, that's why Paul says, I can come boldly into the presence of God. No fear. No condemnation. I can come boldly. I have freedom to go into the presence of God because of Jesus' righteousness. The only thing that talks about also is sanctification. And we don't like that because we think we, we got to be holy, we got to be holy, we got to be holy. And that means I can all wear the big earrings like I have today. I need to have long hair. I cannot shave. Ew. <laughs> okay. Right? I have to wear a long dress. You see how we compare holiness to works? You see how we compare? I am holy when I do everything right. And you know what holiness means? That God separated us for him. And now that we are in him because we have the Holy Spirit. Come on. We have the Holy Spirit spirit in us we are already holy we are already sanctified that's why he says the word of god says we are already holy we are already sanctified because of jesus sanctification we just read in that verse that he gave to us our righteousness our holiness <laughs> our holiness I am separated from him. If that is anything that I'm doing that is not good, because I have the Holy Spirit in us, he will help me. Amen? Hello? When your faith is founded and firm and standing on this truth, come on, everything changes. Everything, your relationship with God changes. Your relationship with people changes. Right? Now, I don't have to make anything, everything, everybody, or anybody else holy. holy. <laughs> I don't have to change people. God is working in, in each of us. And this sanctification, this separation that he's working in us to live according to what we already are, 
Come on. He is working in us through his Holy Spirit. How many can say amen? And the last word that he says that is redemption. You know what redemption means? And I love this one. That God through Christ provided a ransom from the penalty of sin. Whew. You see, we think that we need to be punished when we do something wrong. Right? But Jesus already took the punishment upon himself. And that's why redemption became a finished work of Christ for us. And it means now that I don't have to pay the penalty. I don't have to be punished. You know, God corrects us as a father when we do something wrong because he wants to teach us to be the child that he wants us to be. Just the same way that you uh, correct your, your child. Do you punish your child or do you correct them? You can ask, answer me. Do you punish them? If you punish them, you're a bad father and a bad mother. <laughs> a mean one. Yeah, because you don't punish, you correct. Because punishment comes from judgment, from anger. Correction comes from love. Hello? Understand the difference? Punishment is what you will get if you don't have Christ. The Bible says that the penalty of sin is what? Death. Right? That, death will be your punishment for sin. Now, let me ask you, I, and we just talked about it. Are you going to die? Are we going to die? We just say, right? We're not going to die. My body is going to separate from my spirit, but I'm never going to die. Because death means separation from God. It's that death that God is talking about. And I will never be separated from God because now I have Jesus. I have salvation. And I am with him and I will live with him forever. So I'm not being punished. I will not be punished because of sin. Understand? Correction means that God is going to allow some things in our lives to show us what we did wrong to correct us. But he will always come with his mercy and his grace. And I am too so glad that his mercies are new every morning. Come on. <laughs> I am too so glad that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. So you know that even when you do wrong, his mercy, his grace will run after you to cover you. That's the promise of redemption. Amen? That's what we got in Christ. Amen? So when we rest in the finished works of Jesus and not our own works, they will empower us to do what he called us to do, to live this life. They will empower us. Amen? So the first foundation is what? The person of Jesus. The second one is what? The finished work of Jesus. And the third one is the word of God, which is Jesus. <laughs> the Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen? So the word of God, in Romans 10, 17, and we all, we all know this verse by heart, 
Faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. So faith, the foundation for my faith is in the word of God. So I have to develop, uh, to allow that to be developed in me. I love what T.G. Jake said and, and the other day, and I wrote it. And um, I even tried to translate it in Portuguese to explain better. But uh, T.G. Jake said this. His concern for this generation is that now we see the thinkers, the great thinkers, thinkers? Uh, dying, right? The, the, the Billy Graham and all these great preachers, all these great thinkers, they are dying. But he says, but what is bec uh, staying now, what we have now, is not great thinkers, but great tweeters. Tweeters. <laughs> not great thinkers, but great tweeters. And you know what that means? Let me show you what tweeter means. <laughs> Chirp of birds or idle talk. You know, he says, this generation now, they depend and live by quotes. Right? Right now, let me tell you something. If I give you one phrase and, you know, they will go post on Instagram and they think they got it. Right? But they will not see it through a message. Hello. Or they will not read a whole book, they just want a quote. And then they think they got it. They got it. No, I got this. Because I got a quote on Instagram. <laughs> Come on. So T.J. Jakes was saying, I'm very worried about this generation or the, the next preachers. Who? Because they're not going to be preaching from the deeper revelation they are getting from the word of God. They're going to be preaching from the quote they heard from another preacher. A shallow. That's not a foundation that God wants for you. Hello? I used to be in a church in Brazil in a denomination, and I'm not going to say the name because most of you probably know, that um, when they wanted an answer from God, they would get the Bible. I don't know if you ever tried that. And they would open and find a verse. And that verse would be the answer. And then they would get three times to confirmation. <laughs> ever heard of that? I used to do that all the time, and I thought God was speaking to me. So I never got deeper when I was younger, but I had such a hunger for the word of God. My concern is that this generation don't have such a hunger to go deeper. They're looking for quotes. And the worst thing is that we are just giving them quotes and allowing that to be okay. We don't have the discipline to sit, hear the word, and hear the word again, go home, hear the word again. Hello. How many of us does that? Right? Why is that? Because we are losing sight that my foundation is based on the word of God. And if I don't go deeper, if I don't have a deeper revelation when 
struggles comes, and they will come. Let me put it this way. Some of you are going through, let me put it, start like this. Some of you already went through a hard time. Some of you are going through a hard time, and some of you are going to go through a hard time. And I'm not prophesying bad things. I'm just saying the truth. We all face struggles. And if we face the struggle with our foundation shallow, we're not going to stand. Yeah, we're going to be saved and going to, to heaven, but this life here is going to be misery. How many know what I'm talking about? It's going to be miserable. You're not going to find the peace that you need, the joy that you need, the strength that you need, because you're looking for a shallow foundation. And the word of God needs to become deeper, stronger in your life. Don't settle for Sunday morning messages only. Go home and study your word. Meditate on. Let the word sink in. What you heard today, go home. Get to know Jesus. Get to know his works, what he did for you, what is working in your life. Let the word of God become real. Let the promise of God come back and become real to you. Let it speak to you. When you hear a quote, when you hear a verse, go back to the word and find out where is that coming from? What is the background? What is God speaking? Hello? And let it become grounded in you, stronger in you. You know, in Matthew 7, 24, 27, talks about the story of these two men that built the house. And you probably all know the story. And it says that one man built a house on the rock, and when the storm came, right, and it shook, and it raged against it, and the house in the end stood firm because it was built on the rock. And then it talks about the man that built his house on the sand, and when the storm came, and the same storm came to the both house. One stood still, and standing at the end, and the other broke. The difference was the foundation. And he compares this man to the man who hears the word. Hello. And let us sink in. The one who built on the rock. He hears the word and let the world being rooted and grounded. And when the storm of life comes, he will stand. And he says that the man who built on the sand is the man that built his house, come on, on a foundation of he hears the word, he goes home and forget about it until next Sunday, if he comes next Sunday. Hello? Right? Am I being truth, truthful or not? And then we forget about what's preached. Of course we're going to forget. We forget what the word of God is saying, and then the storm comes and we go crazy. And then we have to go and open the Bible and find a verse that's going to speak. Let me, let me go to Instagram and find a, a quote that's going to build me up. Or let me call somebody to prophesy over my life. Come on. Why do we do that? Because we have no foundation in the word of God. Amen? When I face struggles now, I learned my lesson. <laughs> I learned my lesson. I know that 
I run to the word of God. I run to Jesus in his presence, and I just run to the word of God. And I have to remind myself of the truth that is there, of the things that he spoke to me and became such a revelation in my life. I have to remind myself that I need him every single moment, every single day, if I want to live this Christian life, if I want to survive this life, not just survive, but live this abundant life that he said it is for me. Have you ever questioned, why am I not living this, the abundant life that God promised? It's because my faith is having a shallow foundation. Because this abundant life doesn't mean I have a bigger car, a bigger house. It means I have peace. In the midst of the storm, it means I have joy when everybody else is going through such a struggle. Come on. It means I'm strong, not on my strength, but when I'm weak, when I feel I can go on, that's the strength that comes in me. Come on, that's the, the abundant life. Come on, how many of you wouldn't, wouldn't give everything you have, every money, the house, car, just to have some peace? Hello. Because this, this is, the abundant life has nothing to do with what we have here. It has to do with what we have here and here. That's the abundant life that he wants me to have. That I know that I have everything because I have him. That I'm secure and strong when everybody else is falling down. That I'm going to stand and endure when everybody else is quitting. And I'm going to trust him and love him no matter what. And that praise will come out of my mouth even when I want to cry. Come on. That's the abundant life that he's talking about. That's the peace of heaven in here. Let your kingdom come. And the kingdom of God is what? Joy? <laughs> come on. Peace. Right? That's the kingdom of God in us. And you see, faith is not blind. People say faith is blind. Faith is not blind. Faith is not, oh, I'm going to go and jump. <laughs> That's not faith. Faith has a foundation. Faith see things but trust in the foundation. Faith don't deny the circumstances but trust that the word of God is beyond and greater than the circumstance. I don't know if Vin is going to be able to do this video for me. I want you to see this. It's not bad. That's faith. <laughs> you see that? He didn't just go and boom. He had something as a foundation. Come on. And he stood on that, and that took him to where he needed to go. And I love that he had all the weapons too. <laughs> you see, faith will do that. 
when you're facing a, in a place that you don't know where you're going and you feel like, I don't know what to do. God, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to trust you. But my trust is not based on anything there. It's based on the foundation. And you get the word and you place it as your foundation so you can walk on water. That's what Jesus did. Come on. He walked on water because his faith was fixed. Come on. He had a foundation. What is your foundation today? What is your foundation? What are you trusting on? What you can do? What man can do to you? Is that what you're trusting? You know how you're going to know? When the storms start coming over your life. And that's why sometimes God allows tests. Not for him to see where we are because he knows already where you are, what's in your heart. But he wants to show you what's in your heart. He wants to show you that he doesn't want a quote from you. He wants a deeper revelation of the word of God. Amen? Hear the word. Allow it to, to be grounded and grounded and grounded in your heart. You have to remind yourself over and over of what he, his word said and study and go, go over it. Don't just, so you're not going to even survive in a quote. Amen? God wants thinkers because he's given you his mind. He does not want tweeters. Amen? He wants thinkers, people that is going to go to his word and he's receive his word and allow his word to become real in your life. And when that happens, believe me, you're going to have peace when everybody else is going crazy. <laughs> you're going to have joy in the sorrow times. Come on. I'm not saying that, you know, you go through something and you don't feel that sadness. What I mean, that joy that I'm talking about is something that inside of you that will keep telling you it's, everything is okay. God is in control. And you can rest. I don't know what's happening in my marriage, but I know that God is in control. I know he's going to work things up. I don't know what's happening to my kids, but I know that God is going to, and he's going to teach you. He's going to give you, have the Holy Spirit in you. He's going to teach you what to do. Amen. And even when we do, do three things wrong, I was talking to my daughter the other day, one of my daughters. And, you know, me and Pesado, we did, we did many mistakes in our uh, parent, parentage, in the parenting. Um, because first of all, because we were very young, we got married. I was 19; he was 21. I had Sarah a year later, and then Deborah two years later. So Sarah and Deborah are the one who suffered the most through our immaturity as parents. <laughs> uh, Caleb got the best one part; he's getting the best part now. But he also went through a lot, and uh, there were so many things that we did, and now we're finding out that hurt them. You know, and the good thing is when God is start restoring, you know, and, and he, like I say, he'll correct you, he'll not punish you. But he'll give you the chance and the opportunity to do better, to live this life in a better way. And it's going to be through him and through faith in him. And as I was talking to one of my daughters the other day, and I say sometimes we have to allow, you know, let go of the past and mistakes we did because we're not going to carry the condemnation or the guilt 
we did a mistake, and yes, we recognize we did a mistake, but we let go, and now we allow the Holy Spirit to help us to do better. And that's how faith comes. That's how faith teaches to live this life in a way that he will be exalted in everything that we do. And he wants you to know and to live this life. And, you know, amen? So he wants you to know Jesus better. He wants you to know his finished work, and he wants you to know the word of God in a deeper way. Get to know Jesus. It's a privilege. Take time with him. You're going to find out that he will speak to you. He will love you in such a way. He will bless you beyond all you can imagine because that's the God we serve. Amen.